So we've got a new theme for this month. Um, it's called Faith in Action. Faith in Action. And we're going to use the key verse um, from Hebrews chapter 11. And this is going to be a key verse that we kind of use as a foundation. And over the weeks, whoever's speaking, we're going to be just looking at whole idea of faith in action, faith in action, faith in action. Amen. So Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must first must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Isn't that beautiful to know that God is a rewarder? So this is what I want you to just understand that it's all by faith. You wanna have a relationship with Jesus? You you have to first realize that he's he's alive, he's real, God is real and you can have an intimate relationship with, with him but it's faith. God responds to faith, not worry, not fear, not anxiety, not manipulation. God responds to faith. You get salvation by faith. The gospel is proclaimed and you say, yes, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for saving me. Amen. So it's by faith. You get water baptized by faith. Otherwise, it's just cold bath. A warm bath, whoever's doing the water baptism. <laughs> Some people have warm, warm water. Others do it in the oceans or wherever. But you, get, you go in the water, you come out by faith. If you're looking at someone going under the water coming out, it can look very ordinary. Like that sounds, like, that's, that's, like what are they doing? And yet it's incredibly powerful because the presence of God is there. So everything we do, we give by faith. We pray in faith. We build the church by faith. We do everything with God with faith. So faith is a major, major player. And I hope you understand that faith in action. It, faith isn't passive. Faith doesn't, it, it's moving, it's active, it's, it's going somewhere. It's, it's, it's not passive, it's very proactive, amen. So how do you know there's any faith on your life? Well, are you going somewhere? Are you moving somewhere? Are you, you might not be moving as quick as you want, but at the end of the day, you're not stuck where you were or you're not even back, further back. You're actually moving. You're going somewhere. Faith, faith, faith. And is there a spirit of faith in you? You might be good on the outside, but is there a, is there strength on the inside of you? Has got, and, and it's the Word of God that builds that spirit of faith. If there's no Word, no faith. Listen to me. If there's no Word of God coming into you, and coming out of you, you can't get something out of you, it's not going in. So build your spirit on the Word of God. Build a spirit of faith on His promises, amen. So, and I love this, it says that He's a rewarder. God doesn't take, He just gives, amen. From conception, life eternal. From the moment of conception, life eternal. God receives our loved ones. He receives our children. He receives our unborn children. He receives our young ones that go too early. He receives our parents, our omas. He's a receiver, not a taker in this sense. God gives, He gives life. He gives life, He gives life eternal. So from the moment of conception, life eternal. What does that mean? It means we will live forever. 
You've got to understand, faith is what keeps us in this story. So it makes sense that we're going to talk about it because it's a big comp. It's a big part of our story. So what I'm going to do today, I'm going to try and share a story from Luke's gospel. And I'm going to try to let you see God's faith towards us and try to let you see our faith towards God. Is that okay? So I'm going to need two people to help me with this illustration. So I need two volunteers. Two volunteers. You guys are perfect volunteers for this. Come up here. You were ready for that. You were actually wanting, I could, yeah, you were like, I'm ready. But you don't know what the illustration is, do you? Oh, you were here before, that's right. (laughs) I'm going to read from Luke's gospel, and it's a story of one father, two sons. One father, two sons, okay? And many of you would know it. It's um, a story that Jesus shares, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, but it's actually two sons. And I want to try and let you see this today because I think we need to understand how faith is such an important part of how we can work with God. So there's two sons, just stand over here. And when Jesus was telling this story, he had an audience. Jesus didn't talk to the wall. He talked to an audience. Now the key is, who's the audience? Well, it tells you in Luke's gospel, Luke 15, there were notorious sinners, tax collectors, and Pharisees. So it already tells you the groups of people that were watching Jesus. So notorious sinners... Tax collectors, Jewish people would have to pay the Romans for the privilege of collecting taxes on their behalf, but they would take some for themselves and then they would take some for Caesar, give some to Caesar, but they had to buy the privilege. So these people were really the, they were, they were hugely, hugely a massive problem with these people. Tax collectors were not loved, they were deeply despised. And then we have this other group of people, Carol Pharisees, religious law uh, they, they knew the Torah. They were the ones that were uh, overseers of the religious language, the religious law, all of the godly things that the Jewish people would have been known. These guys were the overseers of it. So you've got religious people observing Jesus. We've got notorious sinners, those who are disconnected, who are not practicing the Torah, who are also questionable in character, conduct, and behavior. So they too are watching and listening Jesus. They're watching because they're trying to trick him. What's he saying? Does he line up with our viewpoints? Does he he say what we say? They're waiting to trick him, to trap him. It's not a spirit of learning. It's a spirit of judgment. It's a spirit of criticism. But this group of people, they're listening differently. They're not judging because they feel judged. They're listening to Jesus because he sounds, he looks like one of them, but he sounds different, talks different, communicates differently. There's something different about this guy. And I love that the presence of God on our lives can cause people to come closer, not run, but move in because there's something different on our lives. Amen. So this guy, this group of people actually are coming closer to Jesus. So he tells a story. And I'll read it for you, Luke 15. To illustrate illustrate the point, he said, there's a man with two sons, a father with two sons. The younger told his father, I want my share of the estate now. (laughs) He was a bit demanding. Instead of waiting until you die, his father agreed and divided his wealth between the sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and took a trip to a distant land where he wasted all his money on parties and 
Um, it says prostitutes, but it just means people who weren't married, having sex without marriage. That's the connotation there. But maybe he was paying for money to have sex as well. About the time his money had gone, a great famine swept the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and feed the pigs. The boy became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. That's how low he got. And no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired men have enough food to spare. Here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me back as a hired man. So he returned home to his father. While he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming and was filled with loving compassion. The father ran towards him, embraced him, kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, quick, schnell, bring the finest robes in the house, put it on him, jeweled ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and kill the calf that we've been fatting up. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now he has returned to life. He was lost and now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard the dance music, techno music, electronic music, house music, hip hop music, whatever it is that something's going on. And he asked them, what's going on in that house? He said, your brother's back, he was told, and your father has killed the calf and fattened it that we've been preparing to celebrate. He has come home unharmed. The older brother was angry and he wouldn't go in. His father came out and appealed to him to come and join the celebration. But he replied, all these years I've been working hard for you and never once refused to do a thing, a single thing for you that you told me to do. In all these time, you never gave me one of the young goats for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after spending your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the finest calf uh, that we have in our place. Look, dear son, the father said to him, you and I are close. I, everything that is mine is yours, but it is right to celebrate for he is your son, your, bro your brother, sorry, and he was dead and he has come back to life. He has returned. All right, many of you know the story, but let's get visual with this story. These two groups of people, the Pharisees and the tax collectors, they listen to this story and they begin to realize, oh my goodness, he's just put us in the story. They actually realize as they're listening to the story, the characters, they realize, oh my goodness, I think he's just put us in this story. Because remember, Jesus is talking to an audience and he's now about to move the audience and he's helping them to understand the intentions of his father towards humanity. So he takes the notorious and the tax collectors and he takes them on the journey. And he says, this younger son goes to the father and says, Father, what you have, I want now. I want now. A wanty person will always turn up into a needy person. The more I want, the more I need. He was a wanty person. He went to the father. And this is the truth back in this culture. If you want the father's inheritance, the father has to die to get that inheritance. I just, we just buried our, my dad this year in January. 
yeah, January, and I still haven't got my father's money. Oh, no response, okay. Everyone laughed in the other one. I don't know what that was, but in other words, someone has to die for you to get inheritance. So this son was basically saying, I want what you've got. It's not his. And I think sometimes we've got to be careful because we're reading this story, but we remove ourselves from the story and say it doesn't apply to us. How many times do we want what the Father's got, but we want it for ourselves? I want salvation for me to make me feel better. I didn't give you salvation for you to make you feel better. I gave you salvation for you and for me. There's always a relationship with the Father here. So you can see that this is a, already a difficult relationship. So he goes off in the direction he wants. I'm going to take what God has given me. I'm going to take what my father's wealth is, and I'm going to use it on the things I want to do. Can you see the story here? I, I, me, me. What do I want to do? I want to travel the world. I want to go here. I want to do this. So this is the spirit of this son. He goes in a direction that's going to destroy his life. It might have looked good because when you got money, life looks good. House looks good, car looks good, traveling looks good, things look good. But he was dying slowly. He had friends because he's got money. Let's have a party. Oh, you booked the biggest boat in Monaco. Let's have a party. You know what I mean? Like he was partying up. They were maybe having sex, paying for sex. They were drugged up, sexed up. They were absolutely no constraints and they were going for it. So far away from the original intention that his father had for his son. You know, the father doesn't want us to go this direction, but life happens. So he's now using the father's wealth for his own vanity, got no constraints, and instead of getting better, he's getting worse. He thinks he's free, but he's not free. He's messed up. And he ends up with nothing. He begs for a job. He gets a job feeding pigs. This is Jewish people, Jewish story. Pigs and pork in this story is a horror story. Doesn't mean so much to us today, but in this context, it's an horrendous picture. So you imagine if you're a tax collector, you feel like you're so far away from God. You got like, I, I'm not them. I don't practice the Torah. I'm really, I'm not a nice person. I, I, I'm not bad, but I'm not that good. And you hear Jesus speaking and Jesus suddenly puts you in the story and says, this is the way the Father's gonna respond to you. You've messed up, but let me show you what the Father's gonna do, even if you've messed up. You need to get the right picture for your future. So he is at lowest to lowest point. He's now wanting to eat the pig food. The food that he's feeding the pigs, he's wanting to now eat that because it's that bad. In that moment, the lowest of lowest, how low do you have to go before you go, oh man, it was better back there. I've gone so far away. Like how low do you have to go before you go, and you know, the truth is with pride, pride will take you in the long direction, maybe in the wrong direction for a long, long time. And there's no guarantee that you're going to go, oh my goodness. So this person, there's a seed of faith. He remembers that even the servants had got a good life in the father's house. So he tells himself, I have to get out of this. I cannot stay where I am or it's, it's over for me. And he gets this thought Seed of faith, and he literally says, 
I'll go back towards my father. Now, this is what you need to understand. While he was on his way back, the father was already watching. Can you see the position of the father? He's not like this. He's actually watching. God's eyes are towards you forever. Amen? And the Bible says, as he was on his way back, he was moving towards him. The father ran towards him. So the first point I want to make here is, and it's a question, why do I dream so low? When life goes bad, why do I dream so low? When things don't go the way I planned, why do I dream so low? Circumstances, they just didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen. Why do I dream so low? Expectations down. Because life can sometimes kick us, rob us, shake us up. And we sometimes shrink our dreams because life's not gone the way. Maybe we've made poor choices and we're suffering from bad decisions. We shouldn't have gone out with her. Shouldn't have gone out with him. I shouldn't have hung out with these people. My mother told me not to do that. Oh, why did I choose that? Why did I follow that? Why did I go this direction? We can all list bad choices. I wasn't thinking. What was I thinking? We all know how to talk like that. But what we do is we shrink our dreams and expectations down to the point they're so low that how low can you get? This son just said, if I can just get back as a slave. How low do you have to lower your dreams to get back to God? God doesn't lower our dreams. He lifts us more than we could ever imagine. So just think about it. Why do I dream so low? In other words, let me say this. The father's response was, let me help you dream again. Do you need help to dream again? Have you taken a few too many kicks? Have you had a few too many relationship setbacks? Have you had a little bit too many knocks in life? I mean, you're only just getting started, but it feels like, uh, oh, just, I'm just gonna give up now. I don't know what's happened to the last few years, but our beca- emotional capacity is being tested. It's been reduced. It's been stretched. I don't know how we're gonna get back, but we've gotta understand the answer is not to lower our dreams. We've gotta let God Show us that He can help us dream again. We can get back. We don't come back as slaves. We come back into the family as sons, as daughters, as dreamers. Why would you lower your dreams? Because you've had some bad days, months, years. Don't dream so low when God says, I can get you back to the dreams that I first gave you. Would you dream again? Would you lift your dreams and aspirations up again? Because God is the lifter of heads. He's the lifter of hands. He's the lifter of hearts. He does not take you down low to bring you back up. No, God is always lifting us up. So don't dream so low when God's calling you to dream very big. Amen. The possibilities, it takes faith. The second question here is, am I too far away from God? Sometimes When we do life decisions or we make poor choices, we can feel so far away from God. How many times have I met people? Oh, I used to come to church in 2017. Oh, I came to your church 10 years ago. Well, what happened in 10 years? Ah, you don't want to know. No, I do want to know. 
at the end of the day, whatever the decision process is, how many of us feel like we're too far away from God? How many mother feels like their daughter's too far away from God? How many mother feels like their son's too uh, far? How many times do we tell ourselves, oh, I'm just too far away from God? Well, this guy, he was was far away from God. He was that far, he was eating the pig slop. How far do you need to go before you go, that's too far? But what was happening with the father? He was already watching. He was already moving. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how far you think you are away from God. God is in the business of shorting the distance. Whatever distance, He shrinks it. However far, He shrinks it. You're not too far away from God. You're never too far away from God. Oh, it's far. Not with God, He shrinks it. It's a million miles away. God says, watch me shrink a million miles in a second. He's moving. He's moving. Even now, He's moving. Well, I can't see it. You just got to believe it. Faith helps you see what your natural eyes can't yet see. Faith speeds up and helps you to connect to what God's doing, not what you just see naturally. While He was on His way back, it doesn't matter what the distance was, God shrunk the distance. Can you see the faith of God? Faith, God's not going, oh, that one's so far away. Oh, angels, this one's going to be really hard. God is not limited by distance. He's but a breath away. He's that near. You're never too far away from God. And that's what he needed to know. He can shorten the distance. Can anyone say amen? Amen. The third question that we can ask ourselves is this, am I really worthy for God? How many times have we said that privately? I'm not worthy, I'm not, I'm not like him, I'm not like her. We feel unworthy, we feel like we're not holy. We do things, think things, say things. We know we're a Christian, but we're like, yeah, but aren't I supposed to be a better version of a Christian? It's all internal. But our thoughts lead into behavior, you know. The way we behave really is coming from our thoughts. And the question you shouldn't be asking anyway is, are you worthy for God? Am I worthy enough for God? The question is always no. You're not worthy. But because of Jesus, He was worthy and He is the fatted calf in this story. He was sacrificed so both sons who were both lost could come home to the Father. That's what's going on in this story. It wasn't one lost son. It was two lost sons. One son did go far, far away. But if you read this story, there was another son and he never left the home. But when the party was on, he was outside and he didn't even know what celebration sounded like anymore. He had been so in his religion, he didn't even know what life and celebration and forgiveness even looked like. He was lost in his religion. He was lost in his belief systems. He was close to God and he was a million miles away. You can be in the room and still be a million miles away. He was in their father's house, but he was as far away, possibly further than this guy ever went. You see, what God's doing is He's saying to both groups, you're both lost. And the only way you're going to come home is me. I got faith for this story and I got faith 
for this story. You guys, it's easy to see this one because you guys easily put yourself in this category. But then there's another category of people who are desperately practicing their faith. Their garments, their prayers, their walk, their stance, their monasteries, their buildings, their architecture, their externals speak of connection to God. And yet in this story, we find out Jesus saying, this son, the elder son, was just as lost. And the father, what does the father do? He came out of the house towards his son, closing the gap. And he said, son, everything that is mine is yours. Please come in. And this is the redemptive story of your heavenly father. And he hasn't stopped at all in doing what he loves to do. Can you see him closing the gaps? Can you see him shorting the distance? Can you see him welcoming you back? Can you see him lifting you, helping you to dream again in Jesus' name? This is what God does. You want to talk about what you can do? Let's talk about what God can do. He can restore. He can lift. He can do anything because it's his faith towards us. Why do I dream so low? I'll just come back as a slave. And God says, no. I don't want you back as a slave or as an orphan. I want you back in the family as a son. And that's why he said, quick, put the robes on him, the robes of righteousness. He was restoring his true value. He was restoring his true identity. He was restoring who he really was. Ring on his finger, you have authority. Wherever you use that, that ring, it speaks of me and the authority that I have. I have all authority. Jesus has given us, the name of Jesus has given us the authority. When you pray in his name, amen, all authority, all authority. And so you have been given a lot. So yeah, you've been brought back robes of righteousness. Not robes of shame, guilt, robes of righteousness. A ring on your finger, authority. Sandals on your feet, family, sonship. You're not coming in as a slave. You're coming back as a family member. Amen. And you can have all of these things on the outside. But what matters the most is what's on the inside. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. He puts you back in relationship with the Father spiritually, and then you get to outwork what's on happened on the inside, on the outside. Amen? So you can have the right things on the outside, but completely be lost on the inside. Amen? You don't earn your salvation, you receive it. You don't have to do anything to please God. Jesus has pleased His Father forever. He was a perfect sacrifice. There is no more barriers, no more obstacles. There is no more running around, toing and doing and stopping and this and that. There is no more have to at all. It is all being removed. You can walk in to your Father and you can talk with Him. You can walk with Him. You can receive from Him. Would you let Him love you? Would you let Him forgive you? Would you let Him accept you? Would you let Him do what the Father has always wanted to do? He wants you home. And He wants you to stay home. And He wants you to live your life with your head up, not down. Whatever the pain, whatever the brokenness, 
Would you let go of what happened when you were a kid? Would you let go of what happened at school? Would you let go of something that you still remember and recite many times? Would you let go of everything that is slowing you down? Would you really step into the freedom that He's got for you? You are healed. You are set free. You're accepted. You are absolutely approved of. Because of Jesus, there is not one thing that you do not have. And that is taken by faith. And the ones who take it by faith, they will enjoy it and they will see God as a rewarder. But some people know it, but they don't act upon it. You can have knowledge of something, but still fail to act upon it. Faith in action. Do you believe you're a child of God? Move. Do you believe you're forgiven? Move. Do you believe that He's all over your life? Move. Do you believe that He is restoring? Move. Don't let the enemy continually lie to you and tell you you are not worthy and you're not qualified because these two sons were both lost. And he's basically saying, you can't get home and you can't get restored without me. So would you let the Father do what the Father loves Would you let the work of the Spirit bring the redemptive hand of God towards your life? Would you let Him love? Would you let the love of God begin to minister again? Outside, it's hard to see physically, but what's going on on the inside? Are you better? Are you healthier? Do you feel like, you know, you got the robes on, but you're like, oh, I really shouldn't have these. I really shouldn't have these. You know, have you got sandals on your feet and you're like, oh, really, they're not my size, not my size. God always puts the perfect size on you. They're not big flip-flops, you know, like you're running around on the beach with your, you know, you know, them things when you go snorkeling, you know. It's none of that. It's just real. They fit. It's a perfect garment. It's a perfect fit. It's a perfect restoration. So remember, the wanty son ended up being needy. The needy son ended up being wanty. He meets every need and he meets every want. So make sure you're going to the Father for everything. Amen. You have full 100% access to the Father. And once you realize that, once you settle, it's amazing how it brings such a strength to your life. It'll, It'll change the way you speak, the way you pray, the way you walk, the way you interact with other people. Amen. So let's believe that faith in action is going to be a reality for us. Not just a story, not just a message. Let's put it to work. Amen.